Welcome to episode 27 of the Recording Story Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Adam Newcomb. Thanks for tuning in again for another episode. Uh, this week, I've got, uh, it's kind of a replay episode uh, in uh, kind of a way. Um, I did a Facebook Live talk for my friend's songwriting group, Roberta Michelle's songwriting group, um, a couple weeks back. And uh, I just, I kind of uh, did a, it was like a Q&A. I, I answered a bunch of questions and there were some great questions that people uh, sent in. And so uh, I wanted to replay that uh, that Facebook Live here on the podcast for people that missed it. I know a bunch of people that uh, listened to this podcast uh, caught it. And uh, but uh, anyways, I just wanted to uh, play it here. So um, I've kind of edited it down to the first 20 minutes or so. I was just talking about what it means to be a producer. I was saying a lot of things that I've uh, said in past episodes, actually. So um, I didn't want to, I'm not going to replay that. So I just kind of playing from when I start answering uh, people's questions. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Loved, uh, loved answering questions and speaking kind of more specifically about uh, things that people wanted to know. So uh, here it is, the Facebook Live Q&A I did back May 1st on Succeed with Songwriting with Roberta Michelle's Facebook group. Here you go. All right, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Forgeron, he just asked, uh, what should you think of regarding your own songs before approaching a, a producer? And that's a great question. So some, some things you really want to think about and some questions you want to ask yourself is you need to gauge your own excitement level about the song. I think that's important. I think like if you have a song and if you're not, if you're not totally excited about this song and really wanting to get it out there for the masses to hear, then, you know, maybe don't bring it to a producer if uh, you don't feel super strong about it, you know? Um, I think that's important. Um, I think you need to have a, a level of excitement and passion and just a level of um, eagerness to want to like hop in a studio, spend a bunch of time, spend your hard-earned money on a song that you're not excited about. So it's important to... Uh, that is in place first and foremost. Um, something else you want to do, you, you maybe even want to send your song to some people that you trust in your, you know, your circle, your life that will tell you honestly about how good, you, you know, your song really is. If you've got something that's special or if you've got something that maybe just needs a lot more work or isn't worth isn't worth getting produced or recorded. So, you know, talk to, talk to some trusted people around you. I think that's, that's definitely helpful. If you show, if you show five people your song and four out of the five say, eh, you know, you've written better or you've got better songs. And that's a, probably a good gauge for whether or not you should, you should, uh, you know, take your song to producer or not. Um, but yeah, th th those two things there are definitely, important to to do before taking your song to a producer so uh, i'm just going to check out any more questions here hey val hey robert all right we got some we got a good, good amount of people on this is great just asking what if you have a song that isn't fully completed but you really like the direction it's going are you able to still bring it to a producer to work on yeah, totally. Like that's, that's the thing. Like if it's like, I will speak for myself as a producer. I love to help people with, with uh, their songs that are like they have on the go that yeah, aren't totally done and, and they just need some help kind of getting it done. And again, if uh, you are excited about this idea, if you have this idea going, you're like, man, this is great. I just need some help finishing it. Then yeah, totally. That's what, as a producer, I'm here to help sort of bring that over the finish line and get it to a place where, um, it's complete, a complete idea and can be fully recorded and, and sort of put out to the world. So, uh, I hope that answers your question there. Uh, Aaron Brown is asking, got any advice for a first release? Um, well, Aaron, so, 
that would all depend on again like how you want to put the song out if you are just are you wanting to put out that song on uh are you going out to radio with it are you just going to go out to uh, you know spotify and apple music and all that stuff it would all depend on how you want to put it out and also what genre you're in and um yeah those couple things are definitely important i, I would need to know that because it would sort of change your approach all right, Aaron, um, was thinking just iTunes, Spotify, but I'd be open to radio too. I don't know. My tracks would be like acoustic, indie rock, I guess. Cool. All right. So for a first release, yeah, if you're going to put out to yeah, streaming platforms and possibly, possibly radio, um, well, if you're going to go to radio, you would need a radio tracker. You need to hire a tracker to put out... Um, to put out the, the a radio tracker basically is someone that has a relationship with the radio stations that you want to get on and you would pay them to go take your song to the stations and basically pitch and try and sell them on playing your song on their station. So I would re- definitely recommend a tracker. It's hard to, as an artist without a tracker, just independently uh, going into a radio station and asking them to play your music. It's a, uh, it's uh, almost impossible. It ha- it can work, but it's it's hard. So I would recommend if you're going to radio, get a radio tracker. Uh, maybe just Google that, and you can read you can read more about that and and uh, get a better handle on what on what they do and what that is. But uh, but yeah, if you're going for a first release, if you're going through, if you're going to go, yeah, put out to iTunes and Spotify. The with Spotify, it's funny because. You want for any successful release now, especially you want to get on playlists. Playlists are everything. So, but with Spotify on your first release, you uh, you aren't able. You you can't submit to playlists for their cur- curated playlists for a first release. So, um, you can submit to independent playlists, but um, there are there are companies you can hire that will help get you on good playlists. Um, I, I, the names of some of them escape me. There's one really good one in particular that you can pay that will help you get on playlists because that that's the best thing I could I could recommend is is to do whatever you can to get your songs on playlists. It's just it's just the ultimate. So and don't be afraid as well to put some um, you know of your budget aside, your, some money aside for marketing. You know whether it be on YouTube. Um, uh, Instagram marketing, um, Facebook marketing, whatever, Facebook ads, Instagram ads to uh, push push out your release. I think that's money well spent. I've seen it really uh, work with a lot of artists that that I uh, work with. And uh, yeah, I, I recommend that. Hopefully that answers your, your question there. All right, more questions. Uh, Tyler is asking, I'm curious if you have any favorite plugins. So plugins for people that don't know in uh, the recording world, if you're working in Pro Tools or a recording program, are the things we use to like make uh, the sounds, you know, whether it's compression or equalization or reverb. Those are, those are what plugins are. So uh, my favorite plugins are basically any of the universal audio plugins, Ty. I think, I, I think maybe I mentioned that to you. Universal Audio make the best best plugins, and um, I'm trying to think of right now off the top of my head. Um, there's a there's a great plugin out by a company called Oak Sound uh, called Soothe. I love that thing, and uh, and SoftTube makes some good plugins too. Check them out. All right, want to make sure I don't get I don't miss any questions here. <laughs> my mom, hi mom, my mom's on. Um, she's asking, how do you deal with artists that are really nervous in the studio? That's a great question. And that's funny. That's part of my, um, part of my notes here. I was going to talk about. So as a producer, like making things comfortable for the artist that's coming in here is like, I keep saying it's like the most, my most important job. It's all important, but like getting that right and getting the comfort level there is the utmost because if people aren't comfortable, then they just don't perform well. And I've experienced that many times. And even myself, I've gone in other studios and I work in studio. I work in the studio every single day. And anytime I've got to go to another studio and do some tracking in a place that I'm not familiar with, 
and with someone that, and with, you know, people that I'm not familiar with, um, it's nerve wracking. And so, and it's just hard to perform well or do whatever you got to do if you're nervous. So I have a number of things that I do to help with that. And, um, one thing is, and anyone that's worked with me knows this, that, uh, we never, when you come in for a session, we never just, you never just come in and start recording ever. I refuse to do that and I'll never do that. Um, so what we do is you come in and we'll sit, you'll sit on the couch. You can't see it out of the camera there, but you'll sit down and we will talk for a fair while. Some people, I talk with them for hours before we start recording. And, uh, that, time that we spend talking and just hanging out, relaxing, um, pays off big time when it's time to record. It's like the thing that I found is, um, the most, it's weird. It's like you're sitting and talking, you're not doing anything, but it's the most productive thing you can do in the recording process. Because when it comes time to record, everyone's relaxed, feeling good, comfortable, and they give their best performances when, they're feeling that way. So we're able to really get down to work and really become productive once we actually start recording. So, so that's one thing that I, that's like a thing that I do with everybody and I'm kind of known, known for that. So, um, that's a huge, but also like even just simple things, like if I'm, especially with singers, if, if someone's, um, singing, you can kind of see the booth behind me there. And, um, they're, not, uh, they're feeling, you know, feeling nervous or whatever. Um, I'll do something just as simple as instead of sitting here in my chair, um, I'll just stand up and work kind of work pro tools and be standing up and they can see me through the window. And it, I found that that helps, like it helps them feel like I'm with them more and we're standing together and, and, uh, it's not this formal, like I'm sitting behind a computer kind of hidden and they're like isolated from me in the booth. And so, I found that that is uh, helpful. I just stand up while people are tracking. Um, knowing when to take a break, like when uh, if people are just kind of getting rattled or frustrated or whatever, that's kind of a different thing. It's not really nerves, but knowing when to take breaks is really important. And uh, what else? What else did I do to help with nerves? Uh, that's pretty much it. The time I spend uh, talking with people at the beginning is... Uh, is a big part of it. I think just hanging out, um, chatting is, uh, that, that takes away all the nerves. There was a, an artist I worked with recently that I'd never worked with before. And she came in and she felt like she needed to get in the booth right away and just start singing. And, uh, so that happened. She went in and we kind of got started really fast. And I was thinking, Oh man, this is, we got to slow down. So then she started singing and I could tell she wasn't comfortable and she was, um, uh, her voice is a little bit shaky. And, um, so, um, I just stopped, I just stopped and said, Hey, you know, come on out and we'll, uh, we'll just take a little, little, uh, breather here. I got to fix something in pro tools. I kind of made it up, but I said, I got to fix a little problem here with pro tools. Just come on out and we'll, we'll chat for a minute. So she did. And then we, we chatted for like a half an hour and I felt her relax during that time that we were chatting, just hanging out. And we kind of, you know, we're cracking jokes and just getting a little more comfortable with each other. And then when she went back in the booth to sing, uh, she was a completely different singer and sang amazing and really threw down. So that was, uh, that was cool. I'm just going to take a sip of my little koi here. Thanks, mom, for your question. (laughs) All right, Roberta is asking... um, could you give a quick breakdown of what the process would be from bringing you in an iPhone voice memo of a song someone wrote to having a finished MP3, just an average process? Okay, cool. All right, so this is kind of the way that it works now. And I, I love it, actually. So people write their songs, record it on their phone, and uh, you know, just super rough, just a vocal and a piano or a vocal and a guitar. And um, they bring it to me and say, hey, um, I want to, I want to fully record the song. So, um, again, we'll talk about genre. So I'm just going to use again, country as an example. If you're a country artist, um, we would, um, we talk about references. So references meaning like, you know, I would, I would ask the artist to show me some songs that they like, um, and that are already out there. 
And so I just, it's a good way to communicate sort of what we're thinking. So just show me some songs you like, and I'll put some songs together as well, some references that I think kind of suit your song. And um, we just kind of get a feeling for one another that way through communicating through the references. And then I would take, and then from there, um, because I, I play a bunch of instruments, um, I go through and I, I track all the instruments. So the way that I kind of approach tracking all the individual instruments without getting too crazy long into detail is um, I get one instrument that is going to be the main instrument for the song. It's, it's a part that will play from front to back. That is the, the instrument that um, if you were to, uh, if you were just to have that and the vocal, then your song would sound amazing. So if it's a guitar part, it, it, just getting that right, that first, that main instrument and that part right with the vocal in your song sounds incredible. Then I know I've got a good start and then I build off from that. And the reason I do that is because when you have that main part and it's amazing and it's just right, um, once you get adding all the other layers in like drums and bass and everything else, guitars and pianos, if you ever get off track and you find that your it just it's just not feeling good. The production's not sounding good. The arrangement's messed up, or you don't know what happened. You you always have that instrument to go back to as your anchor, as something that um, you know was good, and you just go back to that point. You mute everything else or delete everything else, and you just kind of maybe can start again and rebuild. So I get that main instrument, and again, let's say in this case it's a guitar, and then from there, I work to drums, and I'll hop on the drums or program drums or whatever the song needs. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, from, from after that, um, drums and it's bass, um, and then you know whatever else the song the song needs. And then so once the track is fully put together, I would then bring the artist in and show them what I've what I've got, and we make adjustments or changes to the arrangement of the song or some of the parts of the instruments. And then uh, once it's like solid and the artist is feeling good about it i'm feeling good about it then we'll cut the lead vocal and uh um after lead vocal is done um then it's background vocals and any kind of odds and ends like that any kind of ear candy stuff and uh and then i mix it so i take out all the tracks and i mix them and balance all the levels and add reverb and effects and all that stuff and uh and then and then i master it and voila you're done so I hope that answers your question, Roberta, about if there's anything you want me to speak about more specifically in the process, then uh, then let me know. But um, basically, um, that's yeah, that's just my process. Like uh, some people, some artists like to sit with me while I'm putting together all the all the tracks and in the, the instrumentation. Can't do that now for obvious reasons with uh, with the the. COVID-19 or whatever, but um, for the most part, people just send me their 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 rough iPhone recording and uh, I just go at it on my own and uh, and then bring in the artist once the track is together. We do their vocals and and that's it. So it's pretty it's a pretty easy um, process for for an artist to go through. It's pretty uh, it's not complicated. It's very uh, there's not a lot you have to do. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Hopefully that answers your question. Let's check out another question here. Hey, Dan, no problem. Thanks for popping on. All right, Mitch. Mitch, what's up? All right, Mitch has got a question. Is it easier when artists come to you with a bare bones version of a song, like a basic chords and melody and build a rest in the studio or a full band arrangement? What, produce, what produces better songs in your experience? All right, that is a great question. So... If um, it's it, it depends. Like if you are an independent artist and um, you're just a solo artist with you know not a band, and you um, you send me just a bare bones recording of just you on a phone, excuse me, excuse me, then uh, I like the bare bones. I prefer the the rougher the better. Sometimes people are embarrassed when they send me their recordings and they're like, "Oh, it's so bad! Like it's so rough! It's just with my phone and my voice is messed up and whatever." I I love that. The rougher the better. So, sometimes what happens is some people will record their songs, you know, in like a 
Logic, GarageBand or whatever. And they'll kind of produce it. Like they'll add parts and they'll add like some drum programming and some just they, they kind of get a lot going on and that could be hard to get out of your head. That could be hard. You just can get locked into some of that stuff that you've um, got going in your, in your demo and uh, it's called demoitis and um, it's hard to get away from it. So once you pass it off to me as a producer and I do different things, it's going to be hard for the artist to like, to get into it because they're just so used to what they, what they've done, what the, you know, the demo that they made. So I like the bare bones versions the most, but the um, full band stuff though, if it's a band coming to me, then yeah, I want a band to come with like the full arrangement and um, doing all the things that the band does. You know, obviously I want the, the band's personality and the band's character to come through and, uh, and then we'll kind of hone their, the arrangement and the playing together. But uh, yeah, so if it's a band, yeah, if it's a solo artist, then I prefer the bare bones, basic chords uh, um, sort of uh, thing to start with. Hope that answers your question. Austin. Yeah, sound toys are great. I agree, man. Decapitator is great. I use that thing. I should have mentioned that. Decapitator, I use that one a ton. All right. See if there's any more questions here. Hey, Sasha. Sasha's on. What's up? What's up? She's on a break probably from work. <laughs> yes, Roberta. Demoitis. Demoitis is the worst because, um, you know, you and, and we all struggle with this. So um, if you are, again, you've like demoed your song at home and you've and you put a bunch of like tracks together and and parts and everything and, and just done an, an arrangement there's a thing that happens. I don't know what it is in people's brains. And I'm, I'm including myself in this, that you just, you, uh, it is hard to, someone can, sh can do a better version of your song and you will still like your demo better because it's just what you know. And uh, so it, it, it's hard to, to get that. I, I had to, this week I had to uh, put together a song, produce a track for an artist and it was a song, this is the weird thing. This is a song that I had demoed uh, two years ago. So two songwriters brought me a song that they wrote and they wanted to do a demo of it that they were going to then pitch to an uh, other artist to potentially you know, use. And so we did a demo and um, a couple of years ago and the song got picked up recently by an artist. And so... Um, when I'm talking to the artists and they want the song, you know, reproduce and, you know, fully properly produced, that'll go out to radio and everything. Um, we were talking about the direction and what the production style and all that stuff. And, uh, so it's a, and then I was, when I was working on it, I had the original in my head. Like I had the original, I played all the original parts and everything. So I had all that stuff just in my head, just I, I and getting getting it out was like you know it, it it really took a lot of effort to get away from it and just uh, do something different with this song. It's uh, it's not easy. Demoitis is like a real real deal thing. All right, I hope I am doing a job of answering your questions here. It's so weird to like do a just a one way chat with and. Uh, you know, with uh, no one talking back at you. It's strange, but it's fun. Roberta's really good at this. I was watching, like, like I said, watching her videos and uh, she's really good at just talking. Oh, Dan's asking, what is the best program to use to record your song at home? Um, all right, Dan, the best program, you ready for it? I've got it for you. The best program is whatever program you have, man. Um, they're all so good now, even GarageBand, you know, the free GarageBand that comes on your Mac, you know, for free is amazing. What you can do with that is incredible. I've heard some amazing recordings done in GarageBand. People right now, because they're stuck at home, are recording their stuff in GarageBand and sending it to me to mix. And it sounds great. Like they're doing such great stuff with it. So, um, don't get too hung up on uh, needing, you know, trying to find like the best program or or whatever. It's like whatever you can get your hands on, man. Um, I, I definitely definitely do that. Like I I use Pro Tools 
And it's not because it's the best. It's just because when I was working in other studios and commercial studios and stuff like that down in Nashville and, and whatever, they, that's what they all use. So I needed to use a program that I could take and transfer to other computers and studios and have it uh, work. So um, I don't use Pro Tools because it's the best. It, it's, it's, you know, for other reasons. But um, there are, you know, I've, I've used Logic a little bit. Logic is great. Um, there's a new um, program that just came out called Luna from Universal Audio. So if you have an Apollo interface, recording interface, it's free. And everyone's freaking out about it. People love it. It's supposed to be really user-friendly. The workflow is great. And uh, I've, I'm eventually probably going to move to it. So uh, maybe check that out. Hey, Jen, Lorette, how you doing? All right. Let's see here. Aaron's uh, saying, I record all my songs on GarageBand and add parts, as you said. Would you prefer that I pr present an acoustic version of it before showing the full demo? That's actually, yeah, that's good. So, I, yeah. I'm glad you said that. So I wouldn't, if you want to at home, you've written a song and you want to um, go and do like a, a full demo of it, um, you know, yeah, play around with it and do that. I, I shouldn't um, uh, tell you know anyone not to to go and, and try to make a you know a decent demo. Go for it. Um, but yeah, when you bring it to someone like myself as a producer, uh, just show. I would like to hear the bare bones acoustic version. Uh, and then, so that's my first impression of it. And then, yeah, checking out a full demo afterwards, because there might be some cool things that you've done in your demo. And that's definitely happened with people that have sent me their demos where there are certain things that they have done that were right. And uh, we end up using and pulling into the session or recreating or whatever. So um, great, great question, man, for sure. Uh, thanks, Bob. I <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, Tyler, Luna. Luna is like uh, the new program from Universal Audio. Um, their new DAW, the new recording software. Uh, it's supposed to be great. Everyone's really excited about it. A lot of a lot of big producers are, are switching over to it from Pro Tools. So, like I say, maybe if I whenever I get a chance, sometime I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out and start to maybe use it. All right. Let's see if there's anything else here. Any other questions I've missed? If you got any more questions, feel free. Just send them in. I'm happy to help, happy to answer. Um, one thing I wanted to sort of talk about, and it's pertaining to um, Roberta's video that she put up yesterday about song about uh, how to take criticism. And I, I just love that video so much because it's like, it's so... It's it's something that um, we're all you're you're gonna face if you're in music and you're you're making you're writing songs or you're putting songs out there you're gonna you're gonna come across it and criticism can make or break you and knowing how to take it is like it really could be the difference between you being successful in music and you having a really hard time and um, I just tell a quick story about um sort of my first bout with like some heavy criticism and what it did, what it did for me. Um, really early in my career, I was working with an artist on a, it was a full length album and it was an artist that I had wanted to work with for a long time. And so when I got the chance to, I was, I was pretty pumped. And so we did this album and, uh, at the time I was really happy with what, it, how it turned out. I thought it was the best album that this artist had ever made. I was like on my high horse thinking that, um, I'd done this great job and everything. And, um, so finished recording, I was, uh, mixing the album. And so when I was sending the mixes to the artist, they, they passed the mixes on to their manager and the manager heard them and freaked out and not in a good way. So, he called me and just ripped me apart. And, and it was based around her, his criticisms and his um, sort of um, problem was the vocals. I just hadn't got a good vocal sound. I hadn't got good vocal takes really. And the mix and the vocals, they were just too buried in the mix. They weren't loud enough. I hadn't featured them nearly enough. And, um, you know, this, this is early in my career. And uh, so... So he, so he, yeah, he calls me up, rips me a new one. Um, it was so heavy. When I got off the phone, I lost sleep for days over this. Like it was, I couldn't, I was just replaying it over and over in my head. I was, I was just so torn up about it. And uh, so 
he actually uh, came to the studio, came here, and he sat with me and he worked with me on the mixes. And I didn't want to do that. I was so hurt. I was so hurt, basically, honestly, by by the phone call and what he what he had said to me on the phone. But he came and we sat together. And instead of being defensive, instead of like me getting my back up and you know trying to be right or trying to tell him you know how it is or whatever. I sat with him. I let him teach me. I let him show me things. Let him. I let him tell me. You know what he. What where he was coming from. I tried to understand where he was coming from. And he sat with me, and he. It, it was one of the most, one of the most, like biggest, most defining moments in my career because what he was right, and uh, what all his criticisms criticisms about me were right, and. Um, he taught, you know, he showed me um, after I'd worked with him and we fixed the mixes and I heard them, I was like, wow, you know, that's better. And to this day, to this day, I use what he told me on every project I work on. Um, at the time, because it, it was all about vocals. And at the time, I was not taking vocals and, and, you know, especially when it came to mixing vocals and making, I wasn't featuring them enough. They weren't loud enough in the mixes and they weren't standing out and they weren't, they weren't showcasing the artists enough. And so, uh, so to this day, I, that's, that's, I hear what he has said and I use what he has said, um, on every project that I do. And it's made me a better producer. It's made me a better mixer. It is just made me better in every way. And even though it hurt real bad when it, at the time, and it was so upsetting and you know what, maybe he didn't go about it the right way. Maybe he was a little mean about it and you know, he should have said it differently or whatever. But the point is, it doesn't matter. The point is if I saw that guy today, I'd hug him and be like, thank you for being hard on me and being so critical of me because I needed that at the time. I needed that big time. And this is and this kind of thing has happened a couple times throughout my career with other people. And yeah, it sometimes it hurts and, and sometimes it, it can really um it can be crushing. But like you if if you learn how to take these criticisms and really run with them, really apply them and um see where people are coming from and see that you know what's you know what the easy thing is to do? If someone hears your song and they just say, Oh, that's really good. I like that. That's the easy thing to say. When someone really takes the time to critique your work and tell you what's not good about it and what you need to fix and why and all that stuff, you gotta listen to those people. Because that's not easy to do. And that takes, I mean, it takes time and effort and it takes care. And um, it's just the, I think people that are willing to do that actually care about you. So um, I just wanted to tell that story because uh, listening to Roberta, her video from yesterday and, and talking about Chris, that was the first story that came to mind. And I just was like, man, that's that uh, criticism is what shaped me as a producer and has put me in the, and like, you know, the, position that I'm in being able to do this now for over a decade. So I'm thankful for the, all the criticisms that I've ever received. And some of them are, aren't useful. Some criticisms I don't, I, you know, I don't always agree with, with people. Uh, and Roberta talked about in her video, how you have to see where it's coming from and um, take that into account. So yeah, not all criticisms are valuable, but you know, there's always a little bit of value in, in uh, criticism. So try and find it. All right, that's a long story. So, all right, on to some more questions here. Mitch is asking, what role do you play as a producer in helping an unestablished artist find their sound? Sweet question. All right. So that process of finding a, a, a new artist and finding their sound is, I love it. That's so fun because every artist has a unique voice, a unique character and then something unique that they, they want to put out to, to the world, you know, and finding out what that is. Um, I just, that that's so exciting to me because that's where I was saying earlier about why I ask artists a lot of questions. So I just do a lot of digging, a lot of uncovering, trying to figure out what this artist is all about what is their what are they trying to say what's the vibe they're trying to put out there where are they coming from and i'm always looking for that unique angle what makes them unique what makes them special not special but like just what makes them unique um, compared to other artists out there 
I'm just always trying to find that angle and exploit that as much as possible and push that to the front as much as can be. So that is, um, that is, I, I think that answers your question. So I just try to find the unique, the uniqueness about an artist and just try to push that up, um, put, pull that out as much as possible. Um, and as far as finding their sound, it's just experiment. It's a lot of trial and error. So it's a lot of like, it's a lot of demoing, recording stuff, trying things out and playing with instruments and playing with parts and sounds. And, um, until you uncover something, you just know when you hit it, you know, when, when people light up, the artist lights up, you light up, I light up as a producer, when you just hit on a sound that is like, that's it. That's that. I love that. That's like the greatest, you know, we've got a tone and a sonic quality. That's like totally me and totally suits my style and everything. You just, you know, when you hear it, there's like a feeling you get in the room in the studio when you're onto something. And it also has to do, you know, there's an element of patience as well. So if you're like an unestablished new artist and you're trying to develop your sound, it, you also, there's a lot we can do experimenting in the studio and trying things out, but you have to kind of put out songs out to the public and gauge sort of the reaction and some of the feedback um, and criticisms um, from, from people. And then you, you got to take that and adjust, come back, you know, come back in the studio, you adjust and you hone and you, so it's a, it's a, you have to be patient and it, a lot of the stuff has to be worked out over time. It just has to, you just have to do a lot of recordings, a lot of demoing, a lot of writing and putting out a lot of stuff, like hoping that you're going to get it right. The first time out, the first song you put out as a new artist is kind of impossible. So it's just, if you're in it for the long haul and really want to make it work and really want to, um, you know, you just, you're, you're along for the ride. It's a ride. And so it's, it's all about just trying things, trying things, keep putting things out there, honing, honing, honing. I think all the artists that have like had long successful careers, um, have done that. They've just evolved and adapted and adapted as they go along, you know? So if you're willing to do that, then, then you should, uh, you should be all right. All right. So any more questions here? Keep throwing them in. I love I love this answering questions. I can go all day. Yes, Ty. Criticisms suck, but legit, we grow from it. And Tyler, man. So I'll say about Ty is that Ty, out of um, all the artists that have worked with with Roberta. Uh, might be the best at taking criticisms that I've ever seen. Roberta, when she's coaching him, producing his vocals in the booth and throwing everything at him, like about what he needs to fix and change and try or whatever, he just grabs it and goes and he just, he, he's unfazed by, by like criticisms or any, you know, feedback, whatever. He just takes it and applies it. And, um, and it's not that it doesn't affect him. I'm sure at times, you know, it, you know, it, like you say, criticisms suck, but, he knows he knows the value of it and he uses it and so Tyler man at such a young age is crushing because he's been able to take criticisms uh use them and uh, you know apply them and go so it's um thanks for uh putting that in there Ty all right so what else we got here just going to make sure i haven't missed any questions Yes, Roberta. See, and I'm glad you said that because you, yeah, you know what Ty is capable of. So you're always pushing him to, to meet his potential. And so that is what makes you, Roberta, amazing as someone to collaborate and work with because you're just, you're that person that's just bringing and elevating everyone in the room to be their best. I think you, I think you're, you're pushing people to be better than they think they can even be, you know, like you're that type of, um, collaborator and that's what you, you pull out of people. I can say working with you for the last five years that I am a much better producer and instrumentalist, whatever, than I was before I started working with you a hundred percent because I've learned so much from you and you've pushed me to be better than I thought it could be. So yeah, I'm going to take a moment here to also just say let like Roberta, like Thank you so much again for making this group and putting out all this content. There's a lot of hours of incredible content that's available for everybody. And um, if you are a songwriter, artist, um, 
go back and, look and watch all the videos. You will be a better songwriter once um, you go through. If you watch one video, you'll be better. Big time. Um, one thing I wanted to say about what I do as a producer is, um, and this is something that I see is kind of backwards with um, other people that do what I do, is that at the end of the day, you as the artist and the songwriter coming in and, and wanting to have a song recorded and produced, you are the star of the show and you are the hero. You know, I'm only here as a producer to help facilitate, to help support you. Like I said earlier, to protect you and to uh, help elevate you and um, just be, you know, a catalyst for your creativity. And um, I'm not the star of the show. I'm not, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the hero. You're the hero. So um I think it's important that uh, artists' voices are heard, their opinions matter, and that they're all everything they have to, you know, say and everything they want out of their production, the recording, is incorporated somehow into the process. And um, I feel really strongly about that—that that, uh, the artist character and their vibe and their their personality comes through in in their song and in their production. All right. Oh, a couple more questions. Sweet. Aaron's asking, what are the costs involved with recording a track? That's a good question. It's tough to answer, especially in something like this, just because it would require like, um, require just knowing exactly what it is that you want to do, um, like how involved of, of a production that you want to do. And the genre plays into it. Like what genre you're, you're making. I think you mentioned earlier what your genre was, but, um, uh, yeah, that's something that if you want, we could chat about, um, even privately, if you want to message me, we could talk about that kind of thing. Um, but it all kind of depends on what you're after. Um, I mean, just, just for like a, uh, an idea, um, on the cheap side, if you want to work with some, some producers to get a song produced, you could pay, it, again, it depends on what they're doing. If they're mixing it to, if they're mastering it for you, like how much they're doing, if they're playing the instruments for you. Well, it's hard to, it's hard to say. It's hard to say exactly uh, to throw out any kind of dollar figure. But on the cheap side, I mean, you can hire someone for like a hundred bucks or 200 bucks or produce your song. You know, and then on the expensive side, um, I know, I know fellow Canadian producers that charge uh, six, $7,000 for a song. So it's a, uh, it's a, all depends. It's a pretty wide, broad range. All right, Roberta's asking, how do you break bad news to a writer that the song has things that should be improved? Oh boy, that's a fun one. So um, that so you got to be sensitive about it because I think you've even said, Roberta, too, in your videos that uh, it's personal. So, you know, someone has written a song that's from, you know, most likely from their heart and it's, um, it's dear to them. So you gotta be def I have to be very careful and sensitive about how I would break that news to them that their song, uh, thing has things need to be fixed. And, um, I, I do it and I, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of break it in a number of different ways. Um, if I find a song, if I think a song has problems and it's confusing, like I'm not quite sure um, what it is that they're trying to say, what the message of the song is. I'm really focusing a lot on that. It's like, it's like, do I, do I quit? Can I quickly understand what this, what this songwriter, this singer, this artist is trying to say? And if things are unclear, then I'll ask, you know, I'll ask the, um, the writer, um, Hey, like, you know, what were you trying to say with the song? Like, cause there's this part here. It's a little bit unclear. You're saying this and it kind of contradicts this part. Um, so what, you know, what, what are you after? And I think by asking some of these questions, then the writer starts to kind of almost figure it out for themselves that their song needs things that need to be fixed. I try and leave people to the answers instead of just give them the answers. I, I just like to just steer people to, to, cause I think people learn the best that way and people get the message much quicker and easier if they find the answers themselves. So I'm always just trying to lead people kind of like Jedi mind tricks, I guess. <laughs> but, um, let's see here. I hope that answers that question. So yeah, like breaking the bad news. Um, I'll also come at it from like a per, sort of a perspective of like, hey, you know, 
I want the song to do really well for you. I want it to be successful. I want people to love it and want to share it and everything. Um, I think if we, there's some things that need to be fixed. And I think if we fix these couple of things and fix these, these lyrics and these melodies here, um, I think we can take the song to the next level and, you know, your song is going to have a better chance out there in the world. Um, that goes whole back to what I was saying at the very beginning about how I'm protecting the artists and protecting the writer from, um, you know, potential really harsh and mean criticisms from, from the public. So yeah, hope that answers your question, Roberta. All right. I'm just make sure I've missed anybody. Wow. We've been going at this for an hour. It's crazy. Time flies. It's been fun. You have more questions. I'm happy to, to hang out longer and answer more questions. There's anything like, Anything specifically you want me to talk about or touch on or things that I've said that are unclear? I'm sure there's a lot, like a lot of things I've said that are unclear. But um, I could talk a little bit about, um, about you know, tracking. So like if I was working with a band and uh, we were generally, you know, we start with... Um, I, I, like I said earlier, I'll find a, a main instrument, say it's a guitar for a song, and it's that part, guitar part is going to be the main part that'll play throughout the whole song. And it's like the whole, the whole, if you were just to have that in the vocal, song is great. So once we have that, then uh, then drums are usually, usually the first thing that we uh, record. So I'd have the drummer come sit down, and uh, um, I like to definitely have, like Johnny, um, drummer extraordinaire um like to have the headphones sounding good so they've got you know something to kind of play to and vibe to whether it's like some, some kind of scratch guitar track and a vocal something they can kind of play and have fun with while they're tracking and not just a metronome because that's really boring and hard to get into so um yeah so we do drums and then um then we'll get into some bass and sometimes like some bands like the drummers and bass players like to play together so the bass player will be in the live room with the drummer and they like to look at each other and vibe and play with each other so that's um that's something that we'll do that'll do a bunch uh oh more questions coming in pause that thought all right val is asking hey val uh this may be a stupid question. There are no stupid questions, but uh, I am only familiar with our recording history, but I cannot person come to you with just lyrics, no melody. So you create the melody or do you need a melody to be able to move forward and create a track? That is, that's a great question. Um, you know what? Uh, I have done a few songs where people have just brought lyrics and, and no melodies, no chords or anything like that. Um, I've done that a bunch actually. And uh, <laughs> Roberta wrote an entire record that way. She, uh, her um, a lyricist friend from the, um, the UK wrote these incredible lyrics and sent them to her. And she put amazing melodies and chords to these, to these lyrics and made like a 14 song record out of them. So it's, um, it's definitely, it's, it's not like common. It's not something that um, I experience a lot, like out of like, maybe, I don't know, maybe 20 songs or maybe out of like 50 songs that people send me to work on, maybe one of them will just be lyrics with no melodies. It's not common, but it's definitely, uh, definitely a thing. And I enjoy it. It's a new, it's like a different way to, to, uh, create and to, um, it's a pretty blank slate, you know, it's like something that you just get to kind of take to take wherever you want. And, um, the one challenge could be it could with the lyrics and no melody and no kind of music or rhythm, it could be tough to make some of the lyrics work rhythmically in a song format. So um, sometimes you just got to tweak some lyrics to make them fit. But excuse me. But uh, other than that, though, yeah, it's uh, definitely something that happens, and uh, I, I enjoy working on those those kinds of tracks. Thanks for your question, Val. Thanks for joining us. How can you tell, Aaron's asking, how can you tell if a song is really special and it's going to do well? Good question. Um, it is, like I said earlier, when someone brings a song to me and um, I, you know, freak out over it or just feel like, wow, this is something else, you know, something really special. Um, that is... 
see, that's one thing. Like you can feel that way. And I, I felt like that about a lot of songs that uh, people have brought to me and, and when then we produced it and recorded it and everything and just felt so excited about it. And uh, felt like, oh man, this is this is really going to be huge. And then it goes out to, uh, you know, it doesn't get the response that you think it's going to get. That happens a lot. Even like some of the world's biggest producers, like Timbaland, has even said that um, he stopped guessing what he thought was going to be a hit because he found like he was he found that like he was always wrong. He'd be working on a track with, you know, whatever big artist, and go, man, this is going to be a smash hit, and then it just is, does nothing. And the song that he thought wasn't uh, going to do anything ends up being a hit. So it's it's hard to tell. It's like something you don't want to think about too much or I try not to think about too much I just go off of how I feel about a track about a song make it the best that it can be and the public is going to do with it um, what they want like um, I'll hear people say and writers say like oh I just wrote a hit or like you know I've got a hit and it's a tough thing to say because that's not something that we determine that's what the public determines if a song is a hit or not it's not up to us and we can we can feel like we have a great song, and you might you might have like an incredible song, but a hit isn't a hit until it gets out to the public, and they say, "Yep, this is a hit," and they keep playing it and playing it, and it makes its way around the airwaves and around the world, and you know, and on playlists and all that stuff. That's that's when you know that's when you know you got something special. So it is hard to tell, Aaron. I don't know if that answers your question, man, but it's it's definitely tough to tell. That's a that's a great question. Though. I appreciate that one. Oh, uh, Roberta's. Oh, so to add to uh, Val's, um, uh, Roberta's. Okay, so Valerie was asking about: Do I ever get songs where people just send lyrics and then with no melodies or no no music at all, and I got to put melodies and stuff like that too? And then Roberta's kind of asking: uh, In addition to that, um, what are the songwriting credit implications of that? And in the so just with my experience that I've when I've done that with people, um, they have we've just done a 50 50 split. That's just been our our agreement. And I don't know if it would always work that way. Um, I'm curious, Roberta, how you've worked it with your co writer there, um, with Paul in the UK there uh, with your album, how you've done the songwriting credits with that. yeah, that's uh, that's something you would just negotiate with the person. You know, you would just figure out like, okay, so you've written the lyrics, and now I got to put this music to it and melodies. You know, what's what's that worth to you in songwriting credits? And I think it would be kind of done on a case by case basis. You know, so yeah. All right, what else we got here? So Katie is asking, what is your favorite and least favorite part of the production process? Oh boy. Okay. So my favorite part is, uh, I, I just enjoy any, any instrument that I get to track. Um, I enjoy just tracking. I love recording. I love playing. I just love, I love the playing part of it. Um, the, um, I love, and, and you know, I love mixing. Mixing is a really fun thing for me. I, I really enjoy just getting down and getting things sounding good. You know, I love that. Um, and the least favorite part for me would be I really <laughs> I, I editing is not fun. Like doing all the editing in Pro Tools and doing all the tuning with Melody and like pitch correction on vocals and everything. Um, it's not something I particularly enjoy. Um, I sh- I you know I I do it and um, I do it needs to be done, but it's not editing is is. Uh, and it's one of those things that, you know, I could just, I've had people that have worked with me like interns and people that I have uh, sent tracks to, to edit for me and, and whatever, but it never comes back sounding the way I want it to, you know, especially with tuning vocals, lead vocals. I'm really particular about how that's done. And I have a process for how that gets done and a standard. And if it doesn't meet the standard, then uh, I need to just do it myself. But I don't enjoy that, though. I, it needs to be done, but I, I don't enjoy editing. Um, and then another part that I I don't enjoy is if I'm working with um, an artist and I'm giving some criticisms or feedback or wanting to fix things, and the artist isn't necessarily wanting to fix, um, you know, their song or fix up parts or whatever, and um, 
I'm all, I'm down for pushback and people disagreeing, whatever. Um, but uh, sometimes it can be hard to, you know, you know, make your case and get people to understand where you're coming from and what you're thinking. So um, I, that, that part could be, that part could be tough for sure. Yeah. So just disagreeing in general um, can be tough when you're working on stuff. Yeah. Hope that answers your question, Katie. Thanks for your question. Well, Artemis. Hey, Artemis. Uh, she's asking, how do you keep your hearing acute? Also, how do you keep your focus during long recording, editing, or mixing sessions? Um, thanks so much, Artemis. You're so sweet. Oh, my. Thank you for checking this out. Um, all right. So how do I keep, keep my hearing acute? That's a good question. That's something that's definitely not talked about enough with um, engineers and producers. Um, so there so i i listen at quiet levels you know like if i'm if i'm mixing i don't mix with the speakers very loud i actually mix very quiet and um there's a couple reasons for that and one big one being my ears i need to protect my ears and i can't be listening to loud music for long periods of time or else i'll be deaf and then i can't do what i do so um so the um so, and it also in mixing with it being quiet, it forces me to actually work harder on the mix to make it sound exciting at a low level. It's easy when you like just crank your speakers up and then everything just sounds loud and big and exciting. Um, that's easy, you know? So, um, when it's quiet, you gotta, I just have to work harder at it. So I, I, I like that. Um, and also like with keeping my hearing like sharp, there, there's like, uh, periods throughout the day where my ears are just like in the morning. I check a lot of my mixes in the morning and a lot of things I work on in the morning because it's just, just starting the day, just waking up. My ears are probably the sharpest. And um, so morning's a good time. Um, if I have to do any really critical listening or critical sort of work um, with um my ears like at nighttime, if I've been working all day, it's probably not a good time to do it. I do mix at night, but, um, I, you know, I would definitely have to like get up in the morning, check what I did at night and, uh, fix, you know, fix things and, and whatever. So I hope that answers that question and keeping focus during long recording, editing or mixing sessions. That is something that is uh, I've just learned to do over a lot of years of just doing long sessions. I've just I've become really used to doing uh, long days. Like for me, a regular working day for me um, is at least twelve hours. That's like a regular day. I, I do I do uh, a lot. You know, a lot of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen hour days, and they fly by. Like they just, I, I, I start early and I'm, I'm at it till late. And um, so I've just, I don't know. It's just something that, not something that I struggle with. I've just always been able to get locked into something for a long time and keep my focus up. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know why that is. It's just something, just something I've, I've been able to do. Roberta will probably tell you because I'm like a Virgo and it's like a Virgo trait or something. But um, yeah, that's uh that is yeah, keeping focus. Like breaks are good. Like if I'm fine, like I'm wait I'm just kind of waning and, and losing focus and taking a quick break and maybe watching, I don't know, YouTube video or uh something like that. Um is something that just for that mental break and then coming back uh can be can be good to kind of regain focus. So yeah, so breaks are definitely um also just uh, getting up and moving. I've been like making a point of, because uh, I just sit a lot um, working in this space. Um, I find that, you know, it's just, I, I need to get up and just move my body. So I'll get down on the floor and do some push ups or just, uh, I go for a walk and live in the country. So I just go for a nice long walk and, and I come back and then my focus, I feel like it's just kind of been recharged and whatever. So just moving, moving helps a lot. Just being a little bit physical. Um, definitely definitely helps with the mental focus. But. All right. Thank you, Artemis. Chris, Chris, what's up, man? Thanks for your question. All right. Um, he's asking, is there generally a good time limit to set to a song? And again, it depends. 
they think like I, I was saying at the very beginning of the video um, of this chat was uh, about I, I like to know like what you what you want to do with your song if you want to put it out to if you're just putting it out to like your friends and family or whatever it's just kind of for you then your song can be 20 minutes long like go for it you know you can have a you get a really long song if you want you know with a l- nice long intro and big guitar solo or whatever um and but if you're uh, if you're going to go to like radio nowadays and uh if you're really kind of pushing for the big Spotify playlist and stuff like that um you want to be like around 3 minutes or maybe even less you know um songs are just getting shorter and shorter and you know it's funny it's a trend but um um you know, Beatles songs are short. Beatles songs are under three minutes and there were some of them are like two minutes. And so that's, uh, it's not anything new. We've had short songs in the past and we're going back to that. So, and we're funny as human beings because we'll do that. We'll do this for a little bit and we'll have short songs of like two minute, three minute long songs. Then we'll get tired of that. And then we'll go back to four or five minute long songs. I can tell you already that's what's going to happen. So it's just what we do as, as people, we flip flop and we go back and forth. So, so, uh, but you know what, man, the, Chris, the best way to tell uh, about your song time, I wouldn't even worry so much about how long your song is technically just pay attention to like, if there's parts where your song is just boring, you know, if, if you're just kind of like, if you're feeling like your song, if you like, you know, is kind of feeling long, then it probably is because I've worked on songs that are like, five minutes long but they don't feel like five minutes they feel like a three minute long song or something because they're just good every every step of the way they're just engaging and exciting and so that's you know that uh just kind of feel it out if your song feels long and it's and it's only three minutes then maybe you can make it two and a half minutes or two minutes long you know so yeah that's just the way i think about it Oh yeah, Roberti. So you're fifty-fifty with your your lyricist. That's cool. That's cool. That's because uh, you you've you've contributed a lot to uh, making those well, bringing those songs to life, really. Uh, and now you're asking, do you take a songwriting credit if someone brings you a lyric and you create the music? So lyric. Oh, so like if they bring you lyrics, uh, just clarify this: if they bring you lyrics and a melody with no with no music, just. Uh, think maybe that's what you're asking oh jason jay what's up jay we just finished a full-length album or we're finishing it up we're almost done um he's asking do you offer your musical talent as a service for recording do you offer your musical talent as a service for recording um do you mean like it like my the way that i play when i play instruments you know do i offer that uh, as a part of the recording or producing I do for people. If that's your, if, if that's what you're asking, then yeah, it's all when, if you were ever were to hire me to produce everything, everything I do instrumentally or whatever, it's all, all a part of, uh, the package, but also oh, like if, if people just want to use me to like, just play guitar in their track or, or whatever instrument, then, uh, yeah, I do do that. I do do that. I think that's what you're asking. I hope I, hope I understand that right. Catherine, you you love editing? Oh man, I'm gonna send you all my stuff to edit. <laughs> you use Pro Tools? Because that'd be awesome. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for checking it out, man. Thanks, Val. Thanks for coming. <laughs> no problem, Chris. Oh, Aaron's asking, how did I get started with producing? I think so. I think Bob might have asked that earlier too. I missed that. Um, how did I get started? So it just, um, for me, it was, I was in bands growing up all through high school and, and, uh, was recording at home with whatever we had at home. Um, and, uh, um, in, uh, I was in a band that we were supposed to go record, um, some songs at a local studio in Coburg and something got messed up with the scheduling and we, weren't able to go record so me and another guy in the band I was in said like let's just get some gear and, and make our own recordings and produce our own stuff so and at the time there were some really great um, interfaces coming out that you could get that were generally affordable and so we we kind of got our, our own little studio set up so I started recording my own band's demos and producing them and then from that um, I had friends bands that um, 
were uh, hearing the demos I was making for my band and said, hey, can you do my, can you produce my band? So it just kind of spread from there. So my goal was always first to like be in a touring band and do do that whole thing. And then uh, that just got to be like too unstable. And uh, when, you know, people are always quitting the band and always had to restart and everything. So when my last band broke up, I decided to just be, uh, do the studio and produce full time and, and been doing it you know, ever since. So yeah, that's how I kind of got going. It was just, just the means to produce my own band stuff. And, um, it's, it just grew from there. Um, okay. Have you used Pro Tools? Oh, amazing. Okay. We have to talk then for sure. For sure. Um, oh, Chris is just asking if I do a monthly payment, payment plan things. I do. I do do that. Yeah. So, um, just a lot easier for a lot of people to be able to to spread out payments over over months or whatever instead of having to pay a big chunk all at once or whatever so whatever makes it easy for people and get them into the studio and get making music all right just wait another minute see if there's any more questions or comments or whatever and uh maybe we'll wrap this thing up i'm having so much fun I was nervous at the beginning and just kind of like, I think I was kind of rambling on or whatever at the beginning and didn't know what to do exactly, but uh, this has been fun. <laughs> Thank you, Roberta, so much for having me on and being a, being a part of your incredible group that you've created. This community is amazing. Um, thank you for all that you do. And, uh, and again, everyone, um, who's just kind of joining the group, uh, go back and watch the videos that Roberto's made about songwriting. It's just everything you could ever want to know about songwriting from like a true pro. And um, you are guaranteed to learn a lot and it's free. It's crazy. Like you are just guaranteed to, to learn tons from Roberto. So just every aspect of songwriting too. It's, it's, uh, it's just so comprehensive and, and deep. So go back, binge watch it. You know, you can watch Netflix and binge watch a show. And then when you're done, you're no better and you've learned nothing, basically. Or you could go back or you can watch all Roberta's stuff and actually better yourself and learn some some really great stuff. So, all right. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. Go enjoy the sun. It's supposed to be warm out today. The sun's coming in now. It's beautiful. Enjoy your day and uh, take care. Take care. Take it easy. Bye. All right, that was it. That was the the Facebook Live talk. Um, hope that uh, you got something out of that, and you maybe one of the questions that were asked is something you've been wondering, and I was able to answer it clearly for you. So uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed. Uh, so that's all for this episode. I hope everyone's doing well. Hope you guys are all happy, safe, and healthy. And uh, just the, at this time, uh, the kind of middle of May. Um, things are starting to slowly open up at least in uh, in canada and ontario and canada and i can see that happening in places around the world so that's good very exciting i think very soon i'm going to be able to start having people into my studio again which is super exciting but uh yeah so we're kind of getting back to normal this is great but uh, until next time stay inside and make some great music music